This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Therapy Online. If you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com slash AMR today to get 10% off your first month. Welcome to Many Happy Miles, a podcast that celebrates all types of forward movement. Whether it's a little Nordic skiing or maybe a spin around the ice rink with a waltz jump thrown in if you're feeling kind of frisky, <laughs> we're here to say yay to all of it. I'm Dimity McDowell, co-founder of Another Mother Runner. And I'm Sarah Wassner flynn And I have a question for you, Dimity. Yeah. Did you ever play contact sports growing up as a kid? Um. I mean, basketball. Is basketball a contact sport? I guess it is, isn't it? I think so. <laughs> I think so. My, my short-lived, very uh, uh, emphasis on short-lived basketball career. I think I played in sixth and seventh grade. And I got to say, not for me. I did not like people in my space. I didn't like trying to get into other people's space, like the whole stealing the ball and really like, you know, getting big around them and trying to defend them like that was not my personality. <laughs> I, didn't, I did not jive despite my height working for basketball, everything else did not. Yeah, I think we may have talked about this, like how you were always encouraged to go play basketball and you're like, nope, it wasn't for me. Yeah. And not, not all, all people have to play basketball. Exactly, exactly. Did you play contact sports? Oh, I tried. I yeah. think as you, know, as you know, as runners and maybe swimmers or rowers, we all kind of get, get to that point because we tried everything else and failed. <laughs> and then we ended up going to the non-contact sport. So, I mean, I'm youngest of four, so I just did whatever my sisters did, which was softball, basketball. Um, I think I tried a little tennis. That's not contact sport, though. Hand-eye coordination wasn't my thing. I've gotten a lot better at it as sure. I've gotten older. But um I think my claim to fame as a basketball player was shooting, um, scoring on the opposite, uh, on my own opposite. Right? <laughs> I've been there before. So. <laughs> I totally, actually, I, I remember one of my teammates did that and she was so intent on scoring, right? And, and, and like, and no one else is down there, right? Because mm -hmm. you're, you're, mm -hmm. you know, like, so no one's on that end of the court. And we were just yelling. Her name was Sandy. We're just like, stop, Sandy, stop. You know, and, but, you know, like she's probably blocked us out. And I'm sure the same thing yeah. happened to you too, Sarah, because you're like, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. You know, with every miss, you like grab the rebound quickly and, yes, and put it back up. <laughs> my mom and my uncle were the coaches. And I just remember the look on their face like, oh, what did she do? Because I think it was like a close game and I just tied it for this other team. Oh, geez. Um, I, I just remember like not thinking and, and getting the ball and shooting and, you know, I, whereas I should have taken it down the court. And so I will never forget that. I think it was third grade. It was a very long time ago. And then I think I played until fifth grade. I played softball. I was very small, so I uh -huh. didn't have any height. I'm pretty tall now, but not your tall, yeah. but I grew much later in life. So I was just really small. And so I always have like a sensitive spot for kids who are small and like maybe not picked for teams. Cause I'm like, you could still be good. Even though yeah, like, yeah. I, I think I got passed over a lot because of my lack of size. But nowadays I'm like, Oh man, like I love playing basketball. I love watching basketball. I love watching soccer. I mean, my kids are in everything Yeah, and they don't like running. <laughs> I think that it's, it'll take a generation. Yeah. That is, you yeah. know, as far as like real contact sports, like football or, you know, I don't know, 
women's rugby, which we'll talk about. You know, it's like that wasn't even an opportunity for us. Whereas no, now, powder puffs can do just about everything. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I didn't even do powder puff. So I did. I did. That was my. You know, we we were boxers. Remember, like boxer shorts were really big. Well, they were for yeah. me in the late eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, that mm-hmm. was like our. You know, so. You, our uniform was like long underwear with like boxer shorts over it and like a, a shirt that was like, you know, tied at the hip a little, yep. you know. Yeah. yeah. And, and then we cute. get out there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Really cute. And uh, <laughs> and then the football players were our quote unquote coaches, which was like, <laughs> I mean, I don't even know what I was doing out there. That was just following the flock, trying to be part with the cool kids. That was not yeah. any, anything that was interesting to me. But yeah, for sure. One thing about powder puff, which I'm a little bitter about, is my cross country coach never let us do it because it was in the really close to the state championship and I don't want to get her, blah, blah, blah. So like all my friends got to do it and I never did. So if oh. I could reverse and go back into high school, I would definitely do powder puff and just say, you know, whatever to my coach because he wasn't even that great of a person anyway. So I could have defied him <laughs> had I known. It's one of those things. It's it's kind of like prom. Like it's like the buildup to it is so much more fun than the actual event. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, you know, so hopefully this soothes some wounds that might still be open, Sarah, <laughs> is that you didn't miss much. Let's not crack open all the, the high school and middle school wounds here. We got a lot more fun things and a lot more inspiring to, things to, to talk about. <laughs> Well, speaking of contact sports, we have a very inspiring and interesting guest today. She's actually the first Olympian we've had on the show, at least since I've been a co-host, and she has an incredible story to tell. Very true. Our guest today is Naya Tapper, who is a game changer in so many ways. An Olympic rugby player, Naya is a true star of the sport. Not only did she lead Team USA to its very first Pan American Games gold medal in November, but she was also one of 12 women to represent Team USA at the Tokyo Games in women's sevens. And she's heading to Paris this summer. Ooh la la. Um, <laughs> and she's having already earned an automatic qualification for the 2024 Olympics. Aside from her fierceness on the field, Naya was recently named one of the 100 most influential Black women in sports and has been applauded for changing the narrative in a stereotypically white man sport. We have a lot of questions for Naya, and I can't wait to have her answer them all. So welcome, Naya. Hello, everyone. Uh, thank you so much for having me today. I'm super excited to um, share my journey and my sport with you guys and hopefully create some new rugby fans. I was just about to say, I think we've got, we got, we got a definitely a, a good listening audience with a lot of kids. So um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure any of us are going to be, you know, putting on our rugby uniform anytime soon, but we can change the narrative for the next generation. Yeah. Yeah. As a 50 year old, I don't think I'm going to be taking up rugby. But anyway, you didn't get your start in rugby. You got your start as a runner. So tell us about your days, Naya, as a high school track star. And then if you played other, any other sports as a kid. So growing up, I think most kids like did the soccer and the cheerleading. And so um, that was kind of my first uh, exposure to sports. And then from there in middle school, I picked up track and field and from the start was very successful at that. And so I think just the positivity of it uh, made me stick with the sport for a while going into high school and having a lot of success there. But in my realistic mind, not having enough success to pursue it at the college level or at the professional level. And so after high school, my senior year, deciding um, to end my relationship with track and field and kind of going into college, just focused on 
the academic side of it and having a social life, which is something I feel like um, I kind of missed out on putting so much attention into track and field. So I'm um, going into college with kind of a space for something new to be added to that. And um, that ended up being rugby for me. That's so cool. Yeah. So that was such a mature decision for a high school senior to make um, as somebody who is successful. I'm a track coach, uh, Naya. So I, I get that decisions very hard. A lot of people would just expect you to go to college you know, and run track. So the fact that you didn't is just pretty admirable. But then, you know, along came rugby. So <laughs> how did you discover it? And how did that connection happen? And was it really hard to learn how to play? So I actually learned about rugby in high school. Our high school had a team, which was very surprising because we huh. were in a majority Black community. And um, growing up in that type of community, you never heard about rugby. And so to have it at my school was kind of like destiny in a sense for me, I, I yeah. kind of like to say sometimes. Um, we had a math teacher, um, one of my math teachers in high school, an amazing math teacher, a white male that brought the sports to the school, which I think was just such a huge exposure for the community. And hearing about the sport and seeing the similarities to football, which I was a huge fan of playing growing up, it definitely caught my interest, but at the time I was so focused on track and field and then going into college and again, having that space of, of avoid to fill in a sense, because I did still crave that competitiveness, not just in academics, but wanting the sport aspect as well. I was walking in the quad one day and seeing they had tryouts for rugby and uh, it kind of was just a light bulb of like, oh, this like, you know, you, you've been here before, but didn't take up the opportunity then. Here's another opportunity to try something new, something that could be of interest to you and complement your attributes. And so I went out to try out for it and it was for a club team. And so I think back in those days, like as long as you showed up, for the most part, you made the team. And so surprisingly, <laughs> I made the team <laughs> and um, it kind of just skyrocketed from there. My track and field background being a huge reason of why. So to your question of was it a hard sport to learn? Absolutely. And even today, as somebody who's been playing professionally for eight years, I'm still constantly learning mm -hmm. um, more ways to get better at the sport and all of those things. That's cool. That's cool. So remind us, Naya, where did you grow up? And then where did you go to college just to p place you geographically? Yes. So I grew up in Charlotte, North Carolina. Before that, I was a part of a military family. So my dad was in the army and we moved around a couple places. I was actually born in Beaufort, South Carolina, okay. and then lived in Texas, New York, Georgia, and then eventually settled in Charlotte, North Carolina once my family, my parents had a divorce. And so from there, um, I was raised in Charlotte and then attended UNC Chapel Hill. So spent a lot of my growing up years in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice. And just to place you geographically right now, in case listeners are mm -hmm. hearing the background noise, um, <laughs> she's not hanging out on the street or anything. She's actually hanging out at the cafeteria at the at the U.S. Olympic Training Center, right? In San Diego. Is that right, Naya? Yes. So our training base where rugby, along with other sports like archery, soccer, rowing, track and field, um, where uh, we all train on a full resident style. Very cool. And so That's right now nice. it's lunchtime, so apologies for the noise. <laughs> the athletes have to eat. <laughs> <laughs> Do not get between an a training athlete and their food. I know that for sure. Exactly. All right. 
All right, let's get back to rugby here. So um, let's talk about that learning curve. Can you explain mm-hmm. kind of the basics of rugby? You alluded to it was kind of like football, but mm-hmm. I know for me, I, I mean, when someone who's brand new, how do you explain the sport? Yeah, I think um, the first thing to know is that whether it's a men's side or a woman's side, all the rules are the same. Okay. And then from there, it's a contact sport. So there is tackling involved. The only equipment that we wear that's different from football is we only wear a mouth guard. We don't have pads or anything. So we have our cleats, our mouth guard, and our rugby jersey and shorts. And in terms of the gameplay, we have different set pieces where it could be a a kickoff or a kick receipt, kind of similar to what you see in football at times. We also have set pieces that we refer to as a line out where we're lifting people in the air to retrieve the ball. And we also have a scrum where we're pushing against each other to retrieve the ball. You can only pass the ball lateral or backwards. The only time the ball can go forward is when you're kicking it. Uh, Let's see what else. In order to score in football, you call it a touchdown. In rugby, you call it a try. And the difference um, between football and rugby and the scoring aspect is in football, you just have to cross the line into the end zone. Um, In rugby, you have to cross, you have to get into the end zone as well as put the ball down. So if you get into the end zone but don't put the ball down, it doesn't count as a try. In terms of the point system, scoring a try is five points. And then like in football, um, you can kick for two extra points for a conversion kick. There's two versions of rugby there's sevens and there's 15s 15s is a little slower but a lot more contact based sevens is a lot faster more tries being made in my opinion a little more exciting and with sevens you have seven people on one side of the field and seven people on the other so that's kind of the gist of the sport Mm -hmm. and that's what you play women's sevens and that's what's competed at the olympics Yes, and we play for 14 minutes, so seven-minute halves and a two-minute halftime in between. Wait, the whole game's only – are there a lot of uh, stops? I mean, 14 minutes, like compared yes. to like 60 for football. Are there a lot yeah. of are there a lot of uh, stops in there? So you'll see like the difference between sevens and fifteens. Fifteens is an 80-minute game, so it'll be 40-minute halves and a 10-minute halftime. And sevens, okay. again, is like 14 minutes, and so – Playing wise, uh, we do it tournament style, similar to, similar to soccer. But you'll have three games in one day, which will be like okay. your pool your pool play, and then the next day you'll go you'll go into quarterfinal, semifinal, final. So you'll have six games total in the span of two to three days. Hmm. Okay. Wow. And so, how long does each game take typically? With penalties and all the extra stuff, I'd say twenty minutes. Oh, that's it. Oh, that's so yeah. funny. So it's it's pretty intense then, huh? Yeah, it's short, but those 14 minutes, you're constantly moving, constantly hitting the ground, mm-hmm. constantly communicating. It's it's really tough endurance-wise. You'd be surprised. Yeah. Yeah. How do you train for that? I think the easiest way to train is just playing a lot of rugby, a lot of touch rugby, just to build your endurance and your knowledge on the sport in terms of reading the pictures. Uh, We do a lot of contact work. So um, having contact sessions twice a week where we're tackling each other and working on those small techniques to make sure that the tackles are efficient. 
as well as like the other aspects of contact where we're rucking over each other, um, trying to steal balls in the ruck, those type of things. And then we also do tons and tons of conditioning to make sure that we're prepared to go the whole 14 if need be. Mm-hmm. One more question about the 14. Are there are there subs or is, is the seven who start the game or the seven who have to finish the game? You have five subs. Five subs. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So Naya, you, you've mentioned contact and, uh, you know, it's aggressive sport. And I do feel like rugby tends to get a bad rap um, as maybe a violent or even a brutal sport. So is that a myth that you'd like to debunk? Yeah, I definitely would debunk that. I think if you look at a lot of the other sports, um, soccer is pretty rough. Football's very rough, in my opinion. I think the thing that gets people nervous when it comes to rugby is that we don't have any pads along with yeah. having the contact aspect. But I think that's where the technique comes in that differentiates us from football, where if you look in football, the way they're allowed to hit each other is not allowed in rugby where in rugby you have to hit below the shoulders you have to bring them to ground you have to wrap you can't dump people dump people or block or you know just hit people you actually have to have some form of technique to it and that's something that a lot of teams put a lot of detail and um, time into to make sure that we do our best to prevent injury and keep the sport as safe as possible so I think that's one of the things that once you're in the sport, you see those things and the steps that we take as a sport to keep it as safe as possible with the contact aspect mm-hmm. and, you know, making sure everybody's following the rules so that we can keep everybody safe. Yeah. Is that have like kind of a martial arts? I mean, is that like, I feel like that people are very in martial arts are very deliberate about mm-hmm. how they take people down. Does it have that element or is that, I don't know, is that, is that pushing that on it too much? It definitely has that element. It's funny you say that because we actually had a guy come in um, who had a martial arts background who had sessions with us to like show us how simple it could be to bring somebody down without a huge impact on the person. And so definitely the more simple and technique-based, the easier somebody goes down. Muscling people is when it kind of gets a little more difficult and similar to football. Have you had any big injuries that have come from maybe an unfair tackle or anything like that? I have not. Good, good. Good to hear. Knock on wood. Knock on wood. wood. Are cleats an issue? I mean, you said, you know, you're wearing cleats. Has that ever Mm -hmm. become, you know, gashing or anything like that? I think it's a, it becomes like a norm, you know, getting your, your feet stepped on, getting your toes stepped on, getting cleat marks on your shins and stuff. It just becomes a part of the game. Okay. The same as any sport. I think every sport has their uh, little nicks and niggles mm-hmm. that um, is just accepted in the sport. Right. Well, you know from your track days that it's not too unusual to get spiked from another runner. Exactly. <laughs> now, yeah. Exactly. And that's honestly worse. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. We'll be right back after this break. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp Therapy Online. For 10% off your first month, go to betterhelp.com slash AMR. With a new year, a lot of folks want a new you. We get obsessed with how to change ourselves instead of just expanding on what we're already doing right. Maybe you run three days a week and now you vow to commit to strength training too. Or maybe you already eat loads of fruits and veggies and now you want to meet your protein requirements. Therapy helps you find your strengths so you can ditch the extreme resolutions and make changes that really stick. 
Therapy doesn't have to be prompted by a trauma or conflict. Last year, I worked with a therapist who helped me set boundaries and understand my values better and how to chart a course based on those values. The insight and coping skills I gained filtered into every aspect of my life, including interactions with my family members. Invaluable. If you're thinking of starting or resuming therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, making it convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit BetterHelp.com AMR today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash AMR for 10% off your first month. All right. Well, so tell us about Tokyo a little bit. So, I mean, obviously that was during the kind of the okay. height of the pandemic or a little bit after yeah. the pandemic, but it wasn't your typical Olympic Games. I mean, give us a little scenario of how, how it went for you guys there. I think the timeline was the biggest conflict to deal with, you know, um, training and anticipating something for so long and then it being pushed a year back. I think that was something mentally that everybody, all the athletes going and even staff had to kind of work with. And so that on top of then being able to go, but still being expected perform- to perform at that highest level, knowing that there was um, training changes based on, you know, if people got COVID, having less numbers to train with, having to bring in protocols that possibly, you know, made the training not as effective as it it would be normally also not being able to have as many tournaments to test what you've been training against other countries. Um, so it was definitely a challenging Olympics to go into, especially for it being my first. So having those pressures and then the pressure of wanting to perform individually and as a team with it being your first one and how to deal with everything that comes with the Olympics. It was a lot, but I think we have a lot of amazing resources in place in terms of our sports psychologists to be able to prepare us for that situation. And so I think for me, it was an an amazing experience, even though it was during COVID and had a lot of protocols. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think it was kind of a wake up call because when you think about the Olympics, you're like, oh, this is going to be so much fun. Like I'm going to get to meet so many amazing athletes and we're going to go there and do great. And then when you get there, like you realize like, it's not very different from a competition season or a training cycle. Like it's, it's work. And when we got there, like that's constantly what it was. And you didn't really, for at least speaking for myself, get to like have fun and enjoy it and be happy. Majority of the time, you know, I was stressed out and tired (laughs) and mentally fatigued. And so I think just having that experience will um, allow me to put myself in a better position training for this Paris 2024 Olympics to find more balance in that and have an understanding, you know, it's going to be tough, but now that you've had that experience, where can you find spaces that you can actually enjoy that you're at the freaking Olympics? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Wait, and tell us when did, when did rugby come into the Olympics? Like what was its first year? I wish I, I used to be an Olympic geek and I don't know. I'm horrible at history. I want to say for the women, it was 2016 in Rio. So that was my first year going pro. And okay. I didn't make that team, but that was the first year. So that was like a huge mm-hmm. thing for rugby, specifically for women in the U.S. I'm not exactly yeah. sure what, when it was. For and now. it's a relatively new okay. sport in the United States for 
relatively mm-hmm. speaking. And you just won the Pan American Games, and that was a really big deal, right? So it was the first mm-hmm. rugby. Was it like the first women's rugby team to win, a, win. at any multi-sport game? So the Olympics, Pan American Games, things like that. Now, mm-hmm. does that put a target on your back for the Olympics for Paris? I think not only from the Pan American Games success we had there, but also the season we had building into that. We're making a name for ourselves and showing that um, we can be competitive in this sport. So I think, of course, that's going to bring um, targets, but um, that's part of the game. Pressure is privilege. And so mm-hmm. even I think specifically with sevens, it's so unpredictable because as long as you're as long as you and your team are on at the right moments, you can go so far in the sport. And so you'll see a lot of variability, not so much on the women's side, but on the men's side of like each tournament, it could be a different first place winner, mm-hmm. second place, third place winner. And so I think um, you learn pretty quickly in the sport of sevens to never underestimate anybody, mm-hmm. no matter how they performed the previous tournament whether they did really well or um, not so well just always being ready for whoever is placed in front of you no matter what Mm -hmm. and what are the other countries that are like traditionally really good at rugby so you have australia who is just fantastic new zealand france and then that's kind of when the u.s will start coming in the mix Mm -hmm. honestly like we've had great performances where we outplay those top three teams and we've had not so great performances where we don't. And so I think for us, just trying to find the consistency of how can we continually find ourselves winning over those teams, but also being weary of the teams that are right under us and even all the way at the bottom, because you just never know. Yeah. Okay. So we want to talk about your role as a game changer in the sport. As we mentioned at the top, uh, you're we're listed as one of the 100 most influential black athletes by Sports Illustrated, and they quoted in that article that you've changed the face of women athletics by sending a message that is loud and clear, fitting for the self-described alpha, women belong. So what do you feel when you hear those words? I feel self-confidence, and I feel like power to be a woman. And I think a lot of possibly um, rugby females can relate that you're in a sport that gives you a muscular build and in a sense puts you in an alpha position and we grew up in a society where you know that was not what women were looked at as and so to find confidence in that and bring insight to other people who may not see that having the confidence and courage to do that that's what that makes me think about and um, it just makes me think about what we're doing now to allow for an easier and more comfortable space for younger girls in the future and what the people below us did to put us in the position we're in now. Yeah. Yeah. It's super cool. Well, so let's talk a little bit about the future. Mm -hmm. So you support youth rugby through your Naya Tapa scholarship. So tell us a little bit more about that and, and how it works. So I did a couple of events with the on back youth rugby team here in San Diego It's a rugby organization that has participants from, I want to say, age five all the way up to adult. And so I did some events with their youth rugby players. And from that, I created a really good relationship with them. And for me, having received so much from the sport, I always try to find ways to give back. And one of the things that I 
had always wanted to do, not only in terms of giving back, but also having an impact and creating a legacy in a sense is to create a scholarship. And so I had shared this dream with some of the amazing staff of OMBAC and they provided me with an opportunity to do so. And they made the process so seamless that it just made sense to go um, forward with it. And so we created the Naya Tapper Scholarship in partnership with the OMBAC Youth Rugby Team. And nice. our first season with that was last year where we were able to raise enough money to provide financial assistance to four youth rugby players in their organization. The, the goal with the Naya Tapper Scholarship is, again, to provide financial assistance um, so that players can just focus on playing rugby and so that the parents can like relieve some of the financial stress and give the kids the opportunity to be a part of sport which i think is just so important because from my own experience it was the most beneficial thing that could have happened to me and so wanting to share that opportunity with other youth without them having to worry about if they can afford it or not that's always been a goal of mine so that's what the scholarship was created for Um, we had our second season this year and we're able to double the amount of kids that we could help by raising a good amount of funds and so having reached our goal with that this season it's just made me so excited and proud about the impact that myself and the OMBAC organization is able to have on our community and and hopefully something that I can um, start spreading to other states specifically North Carolina yeah that's great yeah yeah Mm -hmm. that's cool well tell tell me what makes a good rugby player like if if we do have parents listening they're like okay uh, I'm ready to (laughs) have my kid be the next (laughs) Naya Taffer like is it is it just sheer interest in rugby or is it speed strength I mean like does soccer cross over well? I imagine it might, or football might. Like, mm-hmm. talk a little bit about that. I think the beautiful thing about rugby oh. is that it's so accepting of so many different skill sets. And so, even if you look at the professional team, everybody looks completely different physically. Everybody provides um, different skills that all are combined to create a team that is successful. And so, I think for me, the most important part with youth rugby players is just a child that is eager to learn and courageous enough to take the sport on. I think that is like the start of a successful rugby player in the future. I love that. Thank you. Yeah. And in my area, I live in Maryland. There actually are youth girls teams and youth boys teams. And it's so I know it's not everywhere you can't you can't find a team everywhere but it's definitely pockets right yeah. there's like different leagues and mm. things that you can find for that start at a pretty young age yeah mm-hmm. okay so tell us about any other projects or initiatives and i say project because you were on project runway right yes <laughs> so we, we want to hear about that <laughs> yes yeah, so um I had an opportunity to go and participate in Project Runway right before we were heading to the Pan American Games in Peru. So I was very thankful to my coach for allowing me to do that. And um, I think for me, obviously, like, who wouldn't want to do something like that? But also for me, it was an opportunity to spread awareness about rugby, specifically women playing rugby on such a huge platform. And so being able to be a part of that show and meet so many amazing people and just do something fun for the sport in a sense and be able to like show my personality but also share that rugby for women exists 
I think it was just a, a huge success in accomplishing the things that I wanted to accomplish by participating in that and um, yeah. something that an experience that I'll never forget. Were they, were they, was it a show of all Olympians or how, what was like, what brought you on the show? Yeah. Yeah. So okay. it was a Olympic themed episode. And so they had um, Olympians from other sports as well participate okay. in it. And the designers had to create dresses that, not dresses specifically, but outfits that kind of show the personality of the athlete to kind of give you an idea that we're more than just athletes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you had a beautiful red dress. I mean, that was pretty fierce. Did you, did you like your dress? I love my dress. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> I was very happy with it and very surprised. Not surprised, but just to see that how talented the designers were and, and actually how fast they put these things together. I just thought that was so impressive. Did you get to keep it? I did. It's in my closet oh, in a beautiful nice. casing. I haven't been able to wear it yet, <laughs> but I think after Paris 2024, we can get the success there that we're um, working hard for it. That'll be a good reason yes. to celebrate and pull it out the closet. Think about like maybe run a uh, red carpet at the ESPYs. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> I would, yes. That's definitely on my bucket list, the ESPY. So yes, let's speak that into yeah. it. <laughs> let's do that. Well, and I, I think you should, like, I mean, you know, it kind of is a beautiful, it's like I said, it's a beautiful, it's like a cocktail length dress. Uh, you take it to, take it to Paris with you. Um, so that you, you know, have, you have your celebration dress ready, ready for you when you take your night out in the town to celebrate your medal. <laughs> yeah. Good luck, Naya. Thank you so much. That was just a really fun interview. And if people do want to find rugby spots for teams mm -hmm. for themselves or anyone else, is it USA Rugby? Is that where they would go? I think the easiest way, if you're looking for a club in your community, is just to like Google search it. Okay. But if you'd like more information on USA Rugby, obviously they have the USA Rugby website that you can go to. And then also any like social platform at USA Rugby um, is a good contact for them as well. And we'll make sure we share your Instagram and other social media channels on our in our show notes because you're going to be really a great person to follow as we head into the Olympic year. Um, we'll be rooting for you. Like you don't even have to qualify. You're already there. So, uh, you know, there aren't that many Olympians that are locked in. You, you're one of them. So, you know, it's going to be really fun to follow and cheer for you in Paris. Thank you so much. I appreciate you guys so much. Thank you for providing me a platform to share my journey and my sport. Thanks, Naya. You're welcome. Take care. Go have yeah. some lunch now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank Take care. So Thanks, much. Naya. Thank you. Great chatting with you. Thank you. Likewise. So I'm thinking, Sarah, that that red dress is what uh, should be packed in her suitcase to Paris so that when they take a medal or have a great games, whether they take a medal or not, she has a celebration dress ready to, to head out on the town of the Champs-Élysées or something like yes, that, I right? Yes, th I can totally picture it. Like the Sex in the City finale, remember that, where she's on the bridge? With, with the, <laughs> I think it was a Christian Dior gown and she needs to recreate that in a photo shoot for her Instagram. It's going to be perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Fun learning about rugby. I learned so much from her. I actually did too. Yeah, that was really fun. Um, very cool. Good luck, Naya. All right. Well, if you want to maybe not play rugby, but join us on a really fun 20-mile hike in the Delaware Valley on June 15th, check out our Hike Like a Mother program. We are going to train together as a group. Training starts on January 29th. We have a 20-week training program. I am the coach of it. We have a great group going already. We would love to have you join us. So we're going to train virtually for 20 weeks 
getting ready for this epic hike in the Delaware Valley, which is in Northeast Maryland. Super close to you, Sarah. Yeah, not too far at all. Yep, on June 15th. So check it out. Uh, We'll have that in our show notes as well. Our podcast today was produced by Barry Medore of Fire on the Bluff in St. Paul, Minnesota.